This podcast is not for the easily offended, victimhood enthusiasts, or those who take themselves too seriously, namely cyclists, conspiracy theorists, personal trainers, and other fanatics. Your Hobby is Shit is a nerd-free environment which strongly discourages dickheads from listening. Authorised by Sean Woodland for Your Hobby is Shit. Since day dot, humans have invented, inadvertently stumbled across, or tried to discover passions and stuff they're good at by having a go at hobbies. We might use them for pleasure, health, fitness, to combat loneliness, or to distract us from reality, all in the hope we can find meaning in our lives. Hobbies can be bizarre, addictive, psychologically revealing, and sometimes even beyond ridiculous. But, whatever your hobby, chances are, it's at the very least, a little bit shit. So listen in and prepare for your hobby to be exposed. I'm Sean Woodland, host of Your Hobby Is Shit. Hello and welcome to you, the most wonderful group of individuals with a collective interest in the pathology of humans and their shit hobbies. Only a couple of weeks till Christmas... When all hobby hell will break loose, a huge number of people are attempting to generate some motivation, passion, excitement, and commitment by embarking on a new diversion from pandemic reality in 2022. The less satisfied with your lot in life you are, the more likely you will choose an outlandish or expensive hobby. Just last Sunday, I saw a bloke older than me, he was riding a skateboard, risky at his age, but you know, fair enough, I suppose. It was the additional element that commanded my undivided attention. This bloke was riding a skateboard, but also holding on to an inflatable sail. So obviously he stood out like, well, a real dickhead. There is a special type of person who has no appreciation for the sheer beauty of simplicity. They must find a way to add complexity and financial expense where there is no need for any. They eat at restaurants that are so expensive they're left with no alternative but to complain about the service or the quality of the food. Uh, They demand their new cars be wrapped in bows. They jump from one ridiculous pursuit to the next, searching for that inner peace they'll never find. Enjoying kayaking, swimming or running isn't enough to quell their internal conflict, lack of direction and inherent uncertainty. They've got to have propellers on their paddles, body surfing hand planes or fucking springs on their shoes. This poor fella, he couldn't even ride the skateboard, let alone use the inflatable sail in any advantageous manner. Why the bizarre? I'm baffled. Choose carefully, people. Lower your expectations. Know your limitations. All key components to having a terrific life. At the same location, I also witnessed a couple of lycra-clad dads in a peloton made up of them and their five sons who, fuck me dead if I'm lying, were riding miniature racing bikes and wearing lycra wraparound sunglasses and those stupid fucking shoes. Making a dick of yourself is one thing, and do it if you must, but do you really want to be projecting your own obvious shortcomings onto your malleable offspring? Dreadful. Well, I remember too. I've got a mate who mixes in the right circles. He gets all the sports star and celebrity gossip. During a gig in lovely Dapto on Saturday night, he showed me the dick pic that former Australian cricket captain Tim Payne had sent to the former 
Tasmanian cricket staffer. And well, let's just put it this way. I can see why Payne's wife didn't leave him. If it's not photoshopped, I'm blowed if I know how he fits it all into one of those protector boxes that cricketers use. Last week I said dick pics weren't really my thing, but if the fucking colossus I saw in this picture is real, I'd have it out permanently and I'd be pushing for a picture of it to be included in the Bradman Museum. It was the size of a fucking rolling pin. Not everyone wants to grow up, despite the fact it's pretty much the only thing we're biologically primed to do. And there's no shortage of childish weirdos who use their most useful and productive years to eagerly telegraph their enduring immaturity and inability to grasp the complexities of adulthood. Uh, These are the type who are partly responsible for humankind now operating in direct contradiction to the laws of nature. That scientific notion of survival of the fittest is becoming less significant as we eagerly continue to celebrate excuses, weakness, victimhood and childishness as opposed to responsibility, strength, growth and maturity. Hobbies that we choose are a good indicator as to whether or not someone is just making up the numbers on this planet and if they're the sort who would have at any other time in human history just been fed to the crocodiles when survival of the fittest was an evolutionary fact. There are hobbies with a strong physical component, those which are pursued by actual grown-ups, the alphas and show-offs. Unsurprisingly, these are the hobbies also most likely to result in your death. Then there's hobbies which are pursued by those who wish to remain young and cool. Plenty of so-called men that should know better refuse to accept their evolutionary purpose and they instead persist in riding skateboards and BMX bikes when they're no longer physiologically equipped to do so. And as them and their desire to remain cool in front of their sons, daughters and other defeated bong smokers that ensure they make up most emergency room hospital admissions on weekends. And of course, it's then you and I who foot the considerable bill for their adolescent skylarking. Not all grown-ups even make the effort to choose hobbies that are cool. There are those, generally nerds, though still sufficiently coordinated, who opt for semi-athletic, creative, pseudo-spiritualist hobbies that they engage in with other childish, like-minded losers. And don't worry, I understand the desire of not wanting to grow up. But take it from me, you can retain a childlike glee and zest for life without acting like a fucking child all your life. Being an adult, it can be difficult. Not all of us are up to the task of spending 99% of our time pretending to know what we're doing when we absolutely don't. But that, that's the grown-up's lot in life. Today, I'm going to have a look at a bunch of hobbies that are the domain of immature geeks. Their faces are usually adorned with the shit-eating grins of those entrapped by a charming predator or new gym membership or Tony Robbins. Uh, They're often insecure extroverts, the worst kind. They go on to pursue their hobby with evangelical enthusiasm, more like that you'd expect from a three-year-old on a swing. And many of these hobbies fall under the umbrella of circus. Don't get me wrong, circus skills are handy to have, especially if you're in a circus. If you have circus skills, though, and you're not in a circus, well, although you might have found your tribe, you might want to ask yourself... What the fuck am I doing? And yes, yet another disclaimer here. I joined a circus once. My little brother, as well as picking up snakes and fucking echidnas and shit ever since he was old enough to walk, has also always retained a penchant for other abnormal activities. 
Uh, by the age of 10, he could do backflips, breathe fire, juggle and walk on stilts all, all at the same time. And at the age of nearing 50 now, he can still do them all. Uh, but it was at the most vulnerable time in my life that he encouraged me to come along to do some training, as he put it. Now, these predators always use indirect convivial language when trying to recruit damaged souls to their causes. Like if, if he'd said, mate, do you want to join the circus? I would have said, fuck off, you idiot. But I went along for a while as it gave me something to do while I was mentally ill. And yes, I too learnt to breathe fire, juggle a few balls, throw children around and most memorably climb a very thick fucking rope without using my legs. Amazing upper body strength required to do that. But why anyone would want to do this is beyond me, unless of course they didn't have any legs or they were mentally ill. But it was at five metres above the ground that I experienced my very own what the fuck am I doing moment when I felt my stomach lining begin to tear and I let go of the rope to save my stomach and instead plunged to the floor. I am pleased to say that as both my ruptured hernia and mental health improved soon after that incident, I, I had no reason to ever go back to the circus. The first circus type hobby I'd like to look at was requested by listener Rowan. Fire twirling, it's been around for a while. The, uh, the Jews played with burning torches in 10 to 70 AD to celebrate something or other, and the ancient Aztecs also performed culturally significant fire dances, as did many other cultures. Then, as occurs with many activities celebrated in the distant past, Eventually it gets appropriated by confused tryhards, druggies and other dipshits who are intent on impressing other confused tryhards, druggies and dipshits. Uh, my experience with fire twirling, limited. Uh, not so limited however, Rowan, that I'm not sure I've ever wanted to punch anyone harder than when I witnessed one of those extroverts I mentioned before, some dreadlocked, smelly, deadbeat Begin fire twirling in my backpacking days when normal people were sat around a fire sinking beers and talking shit. Uh, having said that, nor have I ever wanted to sleep with a woman I watched fire twirl in her bikini a few minutes later. Uh, perhaps that makes me a hypocrite or a pervert. I'm fine with either. Uh, most of us are taught not to care what other people think about us. However, if fire twirlers knew what others thought of them, they'd stop immediately. Essentially, fire twirlers are nothing more than cheerleaders whose little sticks are on fire. So you can fuck this spiritual relaxation claim off straight away. Take the fire away and they're just some fuckwit waving a stick around. Fire twirling, though, combines the four elements of nature, earth, to stand on while making a dick of yourself, air, flames can't work without it, fire, to attract the attention and resultant disdain of your fellow man, and water to extinguish the flames when the dumb fucks end up setting themselves on fire. There is an argument that fire twirling can be excused as an aberration or idiotic error in judgment by young people or backpackers who are trying to find themselves. I'd suggest that when most fire twirlers find themselves, they, they probably won't like what they find. And yes, everyone makes mistakes when they're young. I've even retained friends who have worn reef sandals, but everyone has a line and for many... That line is fire twirling. What makes fire twirling extra shit is that it combines parts of other really shit attention-seeking hobbies. Juggling, batons, dancing and bongo drums. And then there's the people who do it. The men are often Jesus lookalikes, resplendent in baggy linen trousers, unkempt beards, filthy bare feet and disgusting matted long hair. 
that's remain unwashed for the duration of their spiritual journey. Uh, the women are often adorned with tramp stamp tattoos, clown pants and bikini tops. Uh, they congregate at evenings, at beaches or anywhere else close to water in case the idiots manage to put themselves on fire. And the bullshit ritual is conducted generally in the evenings with the express intention of attracting more onlookers. People who during the day wouldn't cross the street to throw rocks at them. Uh, they can attract a large number of observers who within minutes look on in anguish and walk away pledging to spend more time with their own children in the future. The majority of people who stay to watch the relatively unskilled indulgence are stoned backpackers. There's plenty of things you can do with fire that are more impressive than waving a stick around at night. Uh, put a length of toilet paper between your legs, dip it in kerosene, set it alight and run like the wind and enjoy a game of Dance of the Flaming Arseholes. Or try setting fire to a dog shit in a paper bag and leave it on someone's doorstep. Or if you want to be fair to income, get your balls out of your purse and learn to breathe fire. But don't think you're special just because you fire 12. Because you're not. Slacklining. Now there's a hobby for dickheads. I'm not sure why it's called slacklining. Like it probably should be called stifflining as the slacker the line the more chance you'll fall off. Nevertheless, slacklining, it's a hobby where smelly hippie twats selfishly anchor a length of nylon or polyester between two trees before attempting to walk across the line unaided, whilst most importantly obstructing the general public from going about their business. Uh, if the tryhards who did this had any balls, they'd be walking tight ropes between canyons and high-rise buildings. Instead, they found a novel way to inflict pain on trees while balancing only a bee stick above the ground. In uh, pursuing the attention they crave so much, slacklining, it's counterproductive. Instead of admiring their poise, balance and skill, the onlooker's internal monologue is saying, Fuck, I hate me fall off, you wanker. Or, jeez, I wish I had a pair of scissors with me. Like many of these circus hobbies, colonies of slackliners can be found at backpacker hostels, music festivals and tourist destinations like Bondi Beach and Byron Bay. Actually, Pretty much any place where there's a lot of grotty shit bags with spacer earrings, man buns and tie-dyed t-shirts. Now, when not slacklining, nor are they showering. These dirty hippies generally stink, preferring to dab eucalyptus leaves on their armpits and genitals as a substitute for genuine cleanliness. There's every chance you'll smell the rancid body odour of a slackliner before you see them. Borrowing money, busking without any discernible talent... Uh, shitting in sand dunes, fire twirling, playing with hula hoops and managing to convince themselves that their lives have meaning when they clearly don't are other hobbies favoured by these uninspired clowns. Uh, yep, another disclaimer, I, <laughs> I have a slack line. It was given to me by a mate who found it on the street brand new. Clearly, someone dealt with their existential crises, woke up to themselves and threw it out on the nature strip. Uh, at our place, it's exclusively used when the neighbours and I want some uninterrupted drinking time. We set it up in the park near my house. More precisely, my, my builder mate Gaz sets it up in the park because I don't know how to. And we sit back, sleeping on cans and watching the kids nearly cut themselves in half when they fall off it. Juggling. Jesus fucking Christ. Why, I mean, why would you bother unless you're five or ten? People who wear... Jeans and thongs annoy me, and the same applies to people who wear beanies and singlets. Like, make up your mind, are you hot or cold, dickheads? But people who wear jeans with bare feet, they make me feel quite angry. Actually, they make me consider committing acts of violence. 
And when one of these dickheads is also juggling in a public park in their bare feet and jeans, it makes me really, really fucking angry. Look, as ashamed as I am to admit it, I've juggled. My little brother Johnny, the one who can fire twirl and slackline while still managing to be a good bloke, well, he juggles. You wouldn't have guessed, would you? Uh, In no time at all, he taught me to juggle three, then four balls. And because I'm not a dickhead, I got bored shitless and stopped. Unless you can uh, juggle a dozen swords, live hand grenades, or other items that can maim or cause serious injury, why persist? Circuses only employ a certain number of freaks, the very best. Those who can only juggle four of these fucking hacky sack balls, they end up shoveling up the horseshit during intermission at a circus and are sneered at by the real talent. Uh, juggling is a skill, but, you know, so too is being able to flick snot off your index finger and hit the television when Eddie Maguire appears on it during the commentary in the footy. It doesn't mean either has to be done in public. If I was the type inclined to juggle in public, I'd be expecting an intervention from people who genuinely cared about me. If, if you're the sort of person, though, who's interested in becoming an expert juggler, you're probably also the sort of loser who ticks boxes, and I'll tell you what, you'd want to be able to tick most of these boxes. Willing to commute to a populated public area in bare feet and jeans on a cold winter morning, uh, you should have an ironic beard and or man bun, possess an omnipotent inner child, uh, demonstrate a willingness to become a passive-aggressive busker, have next to zero employment prospects, crave attention of strangers, wear a pathologically friendly grin, like magic tricks and and magicians fucking idiots as next door's little poodle barks away i'll continue as you all know i'm not into making harsh judgments unless they're formulated following extensive research uh, the application of indisputable facts and, and my considered opinion but let's face it these circus freaks who are often more cruelly known as carnies are pretty easy to judge As anyone who has ever embarrassingly pursued a disinterested high school crush can attest, there's no smell like that of desperation, and circus freaks in their sad attempts to demand unwarranted attention are the skunks of the hobbyist world, and I'm going to murder a dog in a minute. Even my circusy freak brother judges them. Several years ago, when he lived on the New South Wales south coast, Uh, Each Christmas, there was a particular circus that would come to town for a few weeks over the festive period, and it came to pass that my brother was standing in a queue for food at the surf club, and he happened to be standing next to a dwarf. And I can vouch for the fact that in all the time I've ever been down the south coast of New South Wales, I'm yet to see a dwarf. That's not to say there's never been one there. In fact, I'm, I'm sure there has. It's just that I, and apparently my brother, have never seen one there before. I'm going to kill two dogs now. I'd really like to throw my dog over the fence and see how tough that little poodle thinks it is one day. <laughs> um, so where were we? Yes, yes. Neither I or my brother have ever seen one down the south coast. Now, my brother and I, we've, we've got a bit in common. And one of those bits is that we rarely instigate conversation with complete strangers. Now, but on this particular day, my brother was feeling pretty sure of himself, and as the circus was less than 30 metres from the surf club, he put two and two together, uh, that being dwarf and circus, and he said to the dwarf who was standing next to him, G'day, mate, how's the circus going? And the dwarf looked up at my brother and replied, curtly it must be said, I'm not in the fucking circus, mate. (laughs) And my brother hasn't instigated a conversation with a stranger again 
ever since. There's at least 70 different circus skills, for, or skills for want of a better word, that, that the amateur circus freak can learn. And, and most, if not all of them, won't put their physical health in jeopardy. Uh, enthusiasts claim that most of these hobbies are good for strength, balance and coordination. Attributes most of us had mastered by the time we could walk. Uh, when done professionally, however, circus does come with risk. In 2014, eight acrobats in Providence, Rhode Island, formed a human chandelier, which means they're all hanging by the hair from a round ring, when the steel fastener that held the ring in place snapped, causing all of the acrobats to plummet 15 to 20 feet to the ground. Uh, you'd imagine that the performer who remained on the ground in that situation would have been the safest in such an event, but he was the poor cunt the others all fell on. Uh, people expect more from professionals, which is why these performers weren't using safety harnesses or nets like the amateur cowardly hobbyist. Uh, this tale is also a cautionary one about what happens when you entrust your occupational health and safety to a carny. Uh, two of the performers returned to the circus that year, uh, whilst the others recovered from various spinal injuries and uh, fractures and even a lacerated liver. The Flying Wallenders, a circus family dating back to the 18th century, they've had about as much luck with heights as the Kennedys have with guns. In the 1930s, Willie Wallender fell to his death while doing, or at least trying to do, a bicycle stunt on a high wire. Another family member died in 1945 while trying to do a headstand on a pole 15 metres above the ground. And in 1972, another carked it after receiving a shock from a live wire and falling to his death. Perhaps the worst luck when a human pyramid collapsed from 10 metres above the ground, killing two and paralysing another family member. Renowned empaths, though, the Wallenders, they realised the show must go on and performed again the very next day. And there is literally hundreds of these types of stories, and they include fires and tiger maulings and elephant stompings. Uh, to be fair, part of the attraction of watching a circus is because you realise they're putting their lives on the line. And obviously some carnies enjoy applause more than they do reaching their full life expectancy. Even though there is a considerable emphasis on safety, even amateur circus participants, they're at risk of injury. Thankfully, these are often only minor and it's usually their pride which is most affected, something their thick-skinned and immaturity assists in the rapid recovery of. Uh, I discovered some interesting findings when looking at the psychology of circus. It's claimed that circus participants have lower mental health than other populations. And this comes as little surprise to me. No matter how long you wish you were a child or how hard you pretend to be one, sooner or later, you're going to have to acknowledge that you're not. And I'd imagine this could be quite devastating. Uh, the solution to avoiding the onset of mental health concerns if you're a circus performer would be simply to fucking grow up. Which brings me to clowns and the sad clown paradox. I'd never come across more mentals in my life uh, since I started doing comedy. It's natural enough, yet forlorn hope, that doing stand-up will help make your problems go away. It, it fucking won't. Uh, all you'll do is end up spending a lot of time in open mic rooms with people just as mental as you are, and the result is basically enabling and toxic. My son's only nine, and he knows everything there is to know about clowns. A friend asked him one day if he wanted to be a comedian like his dad, and young Sam said, no, I don't want to be <laughs> some sad clown trying to make everyone else happy. Uh, 
Nailed it, son. Good on you. Uh, circus clowns, they're, they're not all that different to stand-up comics. The most notable difference is that circus clowns can at least hide their true identity from audiences that hate them. Uh, whether you said the following about a circus clown or a stand-up, uh, it wouldn't change the veracity of the statement. The sad clown paradox is basically the contradiction between comedy and mental disorders. Performers are characterised by feelings of deprivation and isolation in their early years and learn to use comedy as a release from tension and to remove feelings of suppressed physical rage by finding a verbal outlet. Couldn't have said it better myself. I'm just glad I got my shit together before I started doing stand-up. Uh, next time you see someone perform who you find really funny, try and empathise with a childhood that was so grim that they would devote the rest of their life craving the adulation of complete strangers. Then remember, most of them aren't even good enough to be paid while doing it. I guess what I'm really getting at here, folks, is that neither a big red squishy nose nor a microphone and a few riddles will help you heal. you got to do it yourself. Victim of the week time now, and uh, I must admit they're a little more difficult to come across this week. Uh, everyone's talking about fucking politics, and that's going to go on for some time now. Awful stuff. So uh, I think I'm going to go a legitimate victim this week, a very well-deserved one. I'm, I'm going for myself to buy a new car this week, the old one, for 5000 bucks is shit itself. And we have to spend a bit more. And uh, as you know, if you've bought a car, when you do try and buy one, you meet some of the filth of humanity. And uh, it was a terrible experience, one I'm much poorer for emotionally and also financially. But of course, we've got Christmas coming up, so I've got to be happy. And uh, rest assured, I will find the time over the festive period to continue bringing to you good people... Your hobby is shit. Thanks for lending me your ears for another episode. All going well, I'll be back next week with current news and some harsh but fair critiques of more shit hobbies. You know where to find the podcast. Please subscribe to and share it. Or don't. I'll be okay. You can find Your Hobby is Shit on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Your feedback, suggestions and abuse are all greatly appreciated. And if you're, for example, the manufacturer of a great beer like, say, the Immortal Pale Ale, and you're looking to sponsor an enlightening podcast, I'm open to offers. Thanks again. I'm Sean Woodland, the host, writer, producer, editor, and complaints handler at Your Hobby is Shit. Oh, and the fucking dog's going berserk at the neighbour's dog. It's not the bird or the kids, it's the fucking dog. And you wouldn't fucking believe it. I saw two dwarfs today. Didn't ask either of them how things were going with the circus. <laughs>